Hey Mama, and welcome to this week's episode of the Successful Mama Podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Carruthers, a habit and success coach turned podcaster, and I am really thankful you are here. Now, if you missed the news, you may want to head back to episode 35 and listen to the inside scoop where I give you a little peek as to what has been going on lately here. But ultimately, the short and sweet message is that I decided to take a few weeks off of the podcast. Now, I couldn't leave you hanging with nothing to listen to, so I decided naturally to just replay some of the episodes that you guys have loved. This way, if you're new here, maybe you didn't tune in from the very beginning and you haven't had a chance to catch up, you can listen to some of these favorites or you can always scroll back in the archives to find the ones that are most appealing to you. Hopefully you'll love them all because I, I mean, I'm a little biased, but I do. And on these weeks off, I would love to hear from you in my DMs at Successful Mama Podcast. Now you should know I won't likely respond right away because I am taking the time off away from my Instagram as well, but I truly want to hear from you as far as what you think, what you want to see going forward in the podcast, and maybe a guest that you would love to hear from. And while you're waiting, you may as well go ahead and tap five stars and leave a little review. I would so appreciate it because again, that is the best way to get the word out about this podcast and the things that we're sharing to empower moms and remind us that we are not alone on this journey. We have the ability to define what success means to us. And it's important that we remember it's not always going to look the same, but we still can learn from one another along the way. Okay, enough talking from me, but just know that I'll be back with a brand new episode for you November 21st. So until then, get your headphones, your earbuds, your speaker, whatever you like to listen on and get ready to get caught up and enjoy this episode. Hey mama, what do you think of when you hear the word success, fame, status, and fortune? What about rocking your baby to sleep or coaching little league? advocating for your special needs child, or mastering meal planning, maybe going back to school or starting your own business. The truth is success looks different for us all, and it may change depending on the season of life you're in. After finding myself in a dark place, I decided to set an example for my two boys by intentionally choosing what I wanted for my life and seeking it, even if it was scary. And now I'm so excited to bring you stories of other moms who are living out their version of success. I plan to ask these incredible women not only about their journeys, but how they are making it through the madness and the magic that we all know as motherhood. So whether your assistant just brought you a hot espresso or you're rocking your baby on a third cup of reheated coffee, settle in and get ready for some goodness. I'm Shannon Carruthers, and this is the Successful Mama Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Successful Mama podcast. I am Shannon Carruthers, and I'm so excited to share our wonderful guest with you today. You're going to love her. (laughs) And I mean, there's really going to be some goodness, I have no doubt, in this interview. So get your earbuds settled in, you know, do whatever it is you're doing, but get ready for the long haul because you're not going to want to miss anything. I have Miss Marsha Lindstrom with me today. Welcome. Thank Thank you you very much. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. And that's a lot to live up to. So 
Don't be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I know it's going to be great. So, um, so Marsha and I met at Women in Tech at an event that they held recently at the Space and Rocket Center, and it was so good. It was you were the keynote speaker, yes, and you brought us a great message, which I just loved. And when I left, I was like, I've got to have her. Like, I've got <laughs> to message her and find out if she'll be on the podcast. And I'm so glad that you said yes. Yeah. Um, and I know, like I said, it's going to be great for the moms listening to this. So. Um, if you would, Marsha, just start off and tell us your story. Okay, so I, I'm a little bit of a um, a well woven path story in that nothing that I started out to do is where I ended up, and it took a long curvy road to get here, but it's all been good. Um, grew up in a very small town in Aberdeen, Mississippi, which is probably about fourteen thousand. Great town to grow up in. Um, sort of one of the villages, like they say, that tries that helps raise children. And uh, from there, um, went to college, could not decide what I wanted to do. That's not true. Could not decide what I did not want to do. I wanted mm-hmm. to be a musician. I wanted to be, you know, it was a number of things. Took the path of musician, but knew um, that I didn't want to be a band director, and that's where that was headed. So uh, kept I'm, changing. I'm going to jump in uh-huh. because I... I might have read that you did play bassoon. I played bassoon I and I it. played flute and I sang and it put me through college, many, many, many years of college and uh, still miss it and love it. And um, and I also still at Christmas when I think I have time for hobbies, <laughs> I have purchased a piano, which I will learn to play someday. I've, I've played some in college and then I also have a guitar, which I have picked up but not mastered. So I, I still it. lean on music a That's lot. That's great. Um, but then uh, my grades beat me home from mm-hmm. my last university mm-hmm. that my parents were helping pay for. And uh, my dad said, I love you. I want you to have a great education, but it's up to you now. You're on your own and I hope you finish. And I had 171 and a half college credit hours and no degree. Wow. And um, joined the Air Force. And I had talked to him about that, and he said he thought it was a great idea and gave me three pieces of advice, you know, um, go Air Force, transferable skills. Um, I forget what the second piece was, but and don't tell your mother, <laughs> which is exactly what I did. Um, I which, told her, of course, when I joined, and I think I think he knew that she would think that was that would mean I'm going immediately oh, to war. Oh, I see. <laughs> okay, because I was like, was she not? She oh, like she's that. super proud, you know. Uh, and but I think that that's what all moms fear when they when they see that happen. But of course. Anyway, the Air Force helped me finish my degree. And uh, my husband met my husband in the Air Force, and uh, then um, I took the AFOQT once I finished my degree. And um, and what is that? That's the Air Force Officers Qualifying Test. Oh, okay, did great, but they wanted me to stay in my career field in the Air Force, which was weather. And my husband was in the weather career field, and that would have made me an officer, uh, and him enlisted. And, and is that allowed? They, not then. It really okay. wasn't. I don't know about now. But gotcha. um, but anyway, so one of us had to make a decision. And we had two little boys. Um, and so and, the, and it was a little hot of a theater back then. There were a lot of little things going on worldwide that could have taken you away. Um, and so and we were both at a rapid deployment unit, uh, combat weather. And so we um, I decided to get out. And how old were your boys at this time? 
they were a, six and seven, maybe a little bit older than that. Gotcha. Um, and, you know, when they were really getting to where, you know, they weren't little little boys, uh, but they were going to start growing up. And um, so we, I got out. And then it began the, uh, we moved six times our last five years in the Air Force. Wow. Yes. With two little boys. With two little boys. That's uh, I can't even imagine. We've been in our house now for almost almost 10 years. Yeah. And I don't want to like I feel like I'm still not settled. I mean, we are, yes. but you know, it, and and you do feel the one thing I will say, and I just said it earlier this week, when we moved like that, we were lean. We didn't have expensive furniture because it didn't make sense. Right. We didn't have little boy. I mean, we had little boys. We moved all the time. Um and, uh, you know, we just stayed really lean and kind of ready to go. Yeah. We moved. It was in the beginning. It was every two, two and a half years. And then it was every year. And uh, now we've been in our house that we're in here in Newmarket for almost 18 years. And I feel like a hoarder. <laughs> you know, we have I, stuff. I feel that. I understand. And that's probably why yes. the idea of moving sounds so overwhelming. Yes. Because, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're working on getting rid of some things. Yes. It's a process. It though. is a process. And I, I'm working on getting rid of some things now. But um, but anyway, we uh, then my husband, we we uh, retired. He retired at um, from I always forget the name of the of the unit. I can't believe that. But we were in um, Shreveport, Louisiana. The boys and I had moved back to Florida where we had been stationed and left him to finish his time there. Uh with the Air Force, and he came home like every three weeks. That was challenging. The boys were teenagers. And um, then we had decided that we would work for his father, who had a sports lighting business. And it wasn't, you know, my ideal job, but um, but we knew we could, you know, it would be great for him. And, and that was in Illinois, and we got it. We sold our house. I quit my job at the city of Fort Walton Beach at that time. And... Um, we were ready to go, and his father called and said, I've sold the business. And immediately I was like, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. It's going to be fine. You and really felt it that way? I think I knew I had to. Because okay. what are you going to do? Yeah, you, know? you don't really have a choice. No. And I, um, my husband went back. To, we were still finishing up with him in Louisiana. And uh, I was drying my hair, getting ready to go to church one day. And then I had long hair, so I was hanging upside down drying my hair. That matters because when you cry, the tears run oh, up your no. into your hairline. And my sister just happened to call. And she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm getting ready for church. She goes, are you crying? And I said, yeah. And she goes, why? You said you were going to be fine. And I said, well, I think we will, but we don't have anywhere to live. Because you had sold your house. We had sold our house. We were ready to move. How you long know. did you have to move out of your house? Do you know? I mean... Well, we were out. We were out. Oh, you were out. Yeah, we were in so temporary were, housing. Oh, okay. You know, I don't even remember. Right, I, right. But uh, we had done that. Wow. And so it just was, you know, it was just, you got two little boys. You're, I can't remember the month. I think it was between spring and summer. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so school. That's a lot. School starting. Yeah. You know, and uh, so my sister said, you know, hey, well, come to Huntsville. You know, she goes, we, Keith, her husband, need somebody to help him in in the business and um that could be a start and so we drove up one weekend 
And, and had you been here before? I had been to visit her. Mm-hmm. You know, I probably is. Yeah, we had been here too. She lived in Newmarket. Okay. So we would, we had visited and, um, and we drove into town and I, you've heard this story, but you know, you're, we're coming in and I had been a grant writer and I had done, I'd been in public administration for city government and all this stuff. And, um, and I'd never been, I think I went to the rocket center, U.S. Space and Rocket Center one time with my parents when I was like 15 because we lived, we were from Mississippi. So we, it was right, right over here. Right. But we drove in and um, I just looked over at the rocket center and I said, well, that's where I'm going to work. You know, and we all laughed and kept going. And <laughs> I think the boys were, it's been 20, this year's 21 years. So one was 16 and one was 15. And, um, so uh, before we left town, uh, Chuck was working for the Madison County Co-op. I opened the newspaper, which is what you did back then. Yes. And uh, there was a job that said grant writer and development, which is fundraising, and um, for the Rocket Center. And I applied, and um, I think we made one more trip, you know, to kind of like see where we were going to live and all right. that stuff. And um we left town. My my oldest son had a job at Winn Dixie. <laughs> I had that job, and um, and then we we came to Huntsville, and wow. then that's where we kind of have taken it from there. I just love that you're just like driving down the road. And you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna work there. Looked fun. <laughs> it was. It was a lot of fun. That's great. So so everybody has a job. Okay. Everybody but Steve had a job. Uh, yes, we were all working. I mean, just driving into town and getting a job. So. I, I wanted to ask you, because I, I know another story that you have told um, that has something to do with getting a job, and your mom played a role in that. Yes. So take me back to Aberdeen. Okay. Um, tell our listeners about just how your mom helped you yeah. get, getting your first job. Yeah. And I, um, so I had always wanted a job. Uh, I don't know why, you know, we, we weren't... Um, they worked, you know, you thought you wanted to work. And so when I was 11, I decided I needed a job. And uh, my parents, you know, didn't really dissuade me, but didn't really encourage me. You know, and my mom, you know, when I just insisted, uh, we lived in a very small town. I think the, the main street is maybe a mile long, maybe, um, maybe not quite that long. Did you have a stoplight? We had two. Oh, so you were you were uptown a little bit <laughs> yes, with the we stoplights. Were. Yes, we were. And um, I think, you know, she said she'd take me to get a job. And I think she and my dad both thought that it would stop the looking for a job at 11, you know. And, right, because um, who's going to hire an 11-year-old? Exactly. And so she took me to one end of Main Street and uh, put me out. And, I, and she said, just go in every store and just tell them you're looking for a job and um, and I did just that every single store. And of course, everybody knew who you were, you know, because we all of our family lived there. So they knew who you were and they laughed and, uh, you know, and hugged me. How and, sweet. Yeah, how cute. Bless her heart. Yes. <laughs> Sent me on my way and I went in every store. And my mom followed, but not really so close that I could see her, but at the end of the street. So she wasn't walking with you. No. She sent you no, on your own. she put me out. So yeah. she's in her car driving down the road yes. and watching yes. you walk down the street. Yes. Okay. And so at the end of the street, she picked me up and we went back to the head of the street and she put me out again. And she, and I went back in every single place on that side of the street and asking for the job. Same, same, all the way down. You know, nobody, 
everybody just was encouraging and that's Nancy's little girl, you know, or whatever. And then the very last place you you might could get a job. Um, I walked in it, and it was a two-story old, really old, Aberdeen's a great old town, beautiful old buildings, and an um, old place with a, a wooden floor, and it was two-story, so the people in the basement, you know, it sounded like you probably, probably heard of elephants, but um, Mr. Almond, it was Almond Printing Company, and, uh, and he gave me a job, and uh, so, you know, and he, uh, one of the stories he used to tell, in fact, he told my boss at the Rocket Center um, that uh, he had to write two checks for every one he ever wrote me because I would put it in my back pocket of my jeans and my mom would wash it, you know, because oh, no. I, I didn't care. Cause it, I just wanted to work. I, it, it wasn't about the money no, for you. I didn't care one bit. It wasn't about having money. It wasn't about, um, but she, you know, and then once I had the job, um to their credit, you know, I didn't say this at the Women in Technology, but imagine having an 11 year old. You've got a job. Your dad owns a business. You're, and you have an 11 year old kid that's out at three or three thirty and goes to work for two hours. So you have to figure out how to get them there, right? And then go back and get all them. the logistics. All the logistics, and they did all of that, and I uh, and I worked there till I was 18, till I went to college. Wow. Yeah, and he employed. Um, Pretty funny. Uh, we went to church with him, and uh, and he employed my sister, all of my cousins, the preacher's daughter. You know, <laughs> he employed place. every kid. Yeah, like once I started working there, he had five children. Um, all the kids, he put everybody to work, and he taught you how to work. Uh, and he, but he still let you have fun. You know, I didn't. He let me be. I was in sextet. I was in band. I read, ran track. I played softball, and he kept me all that time and let me work. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. He's a great guy. That sounds yeah. awesome. I love it. I love when people, it takes so much time and effort to feed into somebody. Yes. And, and you don't realize that as a kid. Like you don't think, oh, he's giving up so much because That's he right. could just hire anybody and pay them and they'd probably get a lot more done oh, than an 11 year old. Absolutely. But the the amount that he was pouring into you at that time and the way that it impacted your life. And yes. he would have had, I mean, I'm sure he didn't think anything of it. No. And, and, you know, not just when we were teenagers, my sister worked there, my cousin worked there. He was like my very best friend. And, you know, he endured uh, Van Halen pantomime concerts with Coke bottles, you know, in the <laughs> middle. And he would laugh at you and then say, get to work. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness, that's great. So, so how do you feel like that with your mom? Mm -hmm. I, I want to think about her specifically. What mm -hmm. did that teach you as you moved into your own motherhood journey? Like, did that affect you in the way that you raised your boys? Any? It did, and you know, I I wish I had been more like her. She was very, um, as a mother. I mean, I'm a lot like her personally, but just as a mother. But you know, just the um, I don't. I'm not even sure how to put it. I, you know, things that you knew they wouldn't want you to do. I never really asked. You know, things that that probably were something that was against their better judgment, and and they didn't didn't say no. You know, you just were aware of their values and the things that they held as important. And but for them to not just allow me to go get the job, but then you know to to do everything in their power 
really to let me keep the job for seven years of growing up. And um, she was very practical. You know, she didn't. And I think it's one of the things I'm not. I have seasons of introspection. I mean, days of introspection, not seasons, (laughs) you know, where you, you know, you and I don't know that she ever allowed herself a lot of introspection. She was trying to raise three kids. She had a job. We were a working class family. Um, She was, you know, a servant at heart. And I wouldn't say she didn't allow herself that, but she just was about living and life and taking it as it came, you know, and um, I would, you know, I think it's probably and very empowering, but also, um, you know, very, they were strict parents, yeah. you know, yeah. but you didn't feel like they were strict. Right. You well, know? and I think just like you said, that she didn't really have a lot of interest, like Mm-mm. that wasn't really a normal thing. No, then. no and, not at all. And also being strict was more of a normal thing. Yes. So you didn't see yeah, that 60s as, and 70s. right. You didn't see that as abnormal. It was just the way things were. Yeah. Everybody's parents were mm-hmm. like that, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and so, so then let's jump back from okay. there. We're going to go back to the space and rocket center. Mm-hmm. So you have your new job. Mm-hmm. And what did you tell them when we're on the subject <laughs> of getting a job? One more little quick tip for you. If you're looking for a job, here's you a tip you can use. Yes. And I, um, you know, I, you know how you can read people. And I sort of knew that the CEO of the rocket center at that time, um, I knew he at least found me charming, you know, or, or fun, you know, or just, you could tell he liked you. Right. You know, so at the very end of the, of the interview with him, he said, um, you know, is there anything else, you know, you want to say? And, uh, I just said, I will work for free until you decide I'm worth hiring. And he never made me do that. But as I I was there for long enough with him that he would remind me all the time. (laughs) (laughs) That By you said you'd work for free. Um, but he also, you know, gave me the largest single increase in salary I've ever had in my, you know, within the same job. And, you know, I didn't, I walked in, you know, with the median income, median uh, salary in this area for what I did. Yeah. You know, I said, here's how you, here's what you hired me to do. Here's what I'm doing. And, you know, I did not average. I mean, dead center of what people get paid to do that. And I said, you know, and it was significant. It would have meant a 50% pay increase. Wow. And and he said, I have one question. I said, what's that? He goes, what took you so long? He said, I can't do it at one time, but I'll do it in two times over the period of six months. And he did. So he was waiting on you. He was waiting on me. Yeah. And what led you to that, like, recognition of, hey, I think I'm worth more than this? Uh, I don't know, because, like, I, I'm not sure what led to that, except that, you know, every job you end up working, or I end up, um, you know, it's part of my, <laughs> sounds like my house. If the dogs are barking, I'm going to try to edit that out, but if the dogs are barking in this, just <laughs> ignore it. It's fine. Yeah, we'll let them in in a minute. Um, you know, it's just sort of. I kind of, I am all in in nearly everything. Yeah. But not that. I can see that. No balance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all in. It's all in. And I think, you know, when you do that, you 
you get to the point where you're burning yourself. Nobody's making you do that. And I just sort of stopped and looked around at all the work we were doing and how it had crept into something so much more than what he had hired me to do. And um, it, and I tried to be reasonable. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't whine about how much I was making. Right. Because you would, had agreed to that. Yeah. That was... He was paying me for the job and I had that we had agreed on, except that the job had changed. Right. So, and he's very practical. So I thought, you know, there's, you go in there prepared or, you know, he's not going to listen to yeah. you. Yeah. So, so that's what I, that's where, I don't know how I, we got off on that that's subject. That's all right. But no, it's good. He's just, he was a good boss. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Well, and I think it, it's important for you, for us as women, it's really hard sometimes to ask for what we need. Yes. And that including money, especially money yes. when you're in the workplace, like it kind of gets brushed under the rug, but you have to like stand up and advocate for yourself and be willing to go and say, no, this is what I'm doing. And this is yeah. even like the median of what people are getting paid and I'm worth that. Yeah. And so I think it's amazing that you took that initiative. And then of course he was great to say, oh yeah, okay, of course yeah. I've been waiting on you, yeah. but but it would have never and, happened. And be prepared. What if he said, I can't. Yes. Which was a nonprofit. Right. Okay. You so know, so you didn't... it's very possible that he could have said, I can't do that, you know, and then what do you do? What's, yeah, what's so next? So be willing you... to at least realize you've got a decision to make. Right. You know, right. That's great. So um, tell me, you you worked from there mm-hmm. and you, you did something special that all of us in Huntsville and the surrounding areas can appreciate. In fact, I, every day now, I've never worked on the other side of Huntsville. So we live in Madison um, and I've never worked over near downtown. Mm -hmm. But now I do a few days a week, drive over that way. And every day when I go by, I stop and I look at this big landmark that everyone (laughs) knows. Tell us about that. So when we moved to Huntsville, you know, I'm, I was a musician. I mean, was sort of, you know, sort of the arts and stuff was my thing in high school and in, in college and not a space nerd, mm-hmm. you know, um, but came to Huntsville and the very first big job that I needed to do uh, was um, restoring or raising the money to restore the Saturn V rocket that was here in Huntsville. Not the big landmark, but that's, mm-hmm. of course, the one. that's right. an exact right, mock-up. Right. Yep. Um, but uh, I pulled a, a big binder off the shelf. I didn't have enough to do when mm-hmm. I got at the Rocket Center. I fixed that. Yes, <laughs> you took care of that quickly. <laughs> yes, but I, you know, I'm just like wandering around trying to, and I, there was a big binder on the shelf, and it turned out it was a Save America's Treasures grant for $700,000, and I was just flipping through it. I'd done some grant writing, and we were, we, we were in the year that we would default if we didn't have a matching, a match for that grant. Oh my goodness. No pressure. No pressure at all. You know, and nobody had said anything. So I said, I pulled it off the shelf and I was like, should we do, you know? And, uh, and so it became, that became my job was to help raise the money to restore the Saturn V. Absolutely. um, In the doing of that, fell in love with space, with the, with the, just the audacity of what they tried, not what they tried to do, what they did. Um, the idea of, uh, you know, this small town and the and small Southern town, and you bring in, you know, a group of 50 Germans shortly after World War II. And, and instead of that being 
you know, um, um, a tinderbox uh, for for something that could have been negative. It was a tinderbox for innovation and acceptance and growth and uh, melding of these two societies for Huntsville to be, you know, become a cultural, a more cultural and go from an ag- uh, um, agricultural uh, economy to something more than that. And so just the whole story, the people story and everything fell in love with that. It's and an amazing story. I didn't, I didn't know all the details. I've lived here my whole life and I didn't know what all played into that. So if you haven't, you know, brushed up on your history of Huntsville, go read it. It's so yes. interesting. Yeah. And a lot of the people um, in the doing of that, raising the money for the Saturn V, um, there were uh, a lot of the both German and American engineers and scientists still alive from the Saturn V Apollo days. Um at that time, like 13 of the original Germans were oh, still wow. alive. Yeah. And so you were around them and bumping up against them and, and uh, you know, and they were talking about the stories of it and just the idea that, um, you know, that, you know, one of the things one of our chief engineers now says they didn't know what they didn't know. And they, you know, they were just, it was just a wide open approach. And of course, there were a lot of geopolitical things going on at the time, but um that story and the idea that we did that in the amount of time that we did that uh, was just staggering and fell in love with all of that, you know, and um, and it, you know, and then as you've heard me say, you know, for the longest time when my boys drove by the Davidson Center, um, they would that. Marsha did that. Oh, you know? I love it. There's Marsha's building. Yes. There's a whole bunch of people that would disagree with that because it was a team effort, but it was an absolute labor of love and um, fell in love with that. And then, of course, now, you know, uh, we're I'm part of the team that's building the next moon rocket. So it's a pretty nice bookend. You shifted over. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. You shifted over to NASA. And, um, and so... One thing I wanted to I wanted to say is like I love that they that your boys were like oh yeah that's that's her building mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I think it's really important that we as parents make sure that our kids are seeing the work that mm-hmm. we're doing it's easy to put that behind closed doors because yes. you're focused on them and you're you know putting the attention on them but like I try to say. Hey guys, guess what I did today? I went and I recorded a podcast and I did this thing and it was really hard or this part went really well, but I messed up bad on this part. Yeah. And you know, that way they're seeing how hard you're working and your failures and you know, the things along the way because if you brush those aside and don't share about them, you know, they're not getting to know how to live life. They're not yeah. getting the um the chance to see Absolutely. and experience and have somebody to follow. So I love that you said that they were like, because they recognized how hard you worked on that. Yeah. So I think that's really cool. So you moved from there. Mm-hmm. And what what happened to get this NASA? Yeah. I mean, so I had, uh, you know, I'd been at the Rocket Center, I think a total of about 12 years. And the last seven was running space camp. And I should add, by the way, I'm going to interrupt and say, I wore my very cool space camp shirt. If you're listening to the audio and not seeing the video portion, I got my U.S. Space Camp yes. shirt on. <laughs> and I noticed upon seeing her, I was yes. like, oh, I got Space Just Camp for you. Okay, sorry. I didn't <laughs> mean to okay. interrupt. I wanted to touch on that before we moved from from um, Space Camp. So, yeah, and Space Camp was uh, the team I worked with there for that, for those seven years was 
one of the Shangri-La moments in my career. Just awesome people, sweat and blood, sweat and tears, you know, to, to make to make what they were doing count and matter in the heart. Just a great team. But um of course, you know, time time happens and I had done a tour for the uh, NASA Exhibits Consortium. So it's all the NASA Visitor Centers, which the Rocket Center is Marshall Space Flight Center's uh, Visitor Center, and all of the all the centers have those. The 10 NASA centers have those. And, um, and the people inside of NASA that do that work. And, um, and just so happened there was a job open at Marshall Space Flight Center for an exhibits, uh, somebody to manage the exhibits for the agency across the country. And, um, and I applied for that job as a contractor, or that the job was a contract job for NASA, not NASA proper. And uh, which those people are as much NASA as the people that wear the straight up NASA right. civil servant badge. Um, but that's how I came in. And I did that for about a year. And that involved just working we do NASA will go exhibit as a group in places like South by Southwest. So I was thinking museum exhibits right. when in fact it's conferences and trade shows gotcha. and um, wherever the public's gathered. So this weekend we were at uh, the Intrepid in New York City for Kids Week, um, and it, I would have managed that exhibit. So that was that job, and I did it for about a year, and then was ready, you know, for a little bit more of a challenge. And, and, and where were your boys in this stage? Because you worked point, there for seven years, so they were older. Yes, and let's see, I came to NASA in 2014, so they would have, uh, they would have both have graduated by then. Okay, yeah. that's what so I was thinking, but I just wanted to kind yes. of put that into perspective. And, and that of, does matter, right? Um, because uh, you and I were talking a little bit earlier about um, seasons and how I think that. Uh, one of the greatest blessings with my the way my life and career have progressed is that it seemed like things things came at the right time. Mm-hmm. I could not do the job I'm doing now and raise children like I like I think they should be raised. Right, it's too much, and it's probably the, probably the way I do the job. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably All in. yeah, and uh, and I have a whole story on that, but. Where like I finally realized, oh you're oh I'm doing this to myself, you know. Oh, um, go ahead, tell tell us a well, little about. That. I had a um, a retired army colonel that was my boss that ran Space Camp. Okay, great mentor, uh, and my kids had been in a very serious car accident the last year of um, my youngest son's. It was his uh, junior year, and so everything was just topsy turvy, and and it was one of those before and after moments, you know, like where afterwards nothing's ever the same again Absolutely. and you can't really tolerate what you did before it's so right. weird right um and he this retired army colonel came he ran space camp and he came over and he goes he kept like visiting my office and i was finally like all right ralph what's you know what's up and he said i want you to come run camp for me and i said no i said i went to summer camp one time twice didn't love it the second time <laughs> not a big fan of kids that aren't mine, you know, (laughs) you don't want me to do this. And he said, uh, I know the way you work and I can teach you every other thing you, you, you need to know to run this camp. And he did just exactly that. You know, I mean, he, um, 
he set you up and taught you what you needed to know and gave you this awesome team and off you go, you know, um, doing that kind of work. And he, he's been a mentor of mine since I, and I, I'll have to say, I, I don't call them mentors. I know that's sort of in vogue now. And I know that, um, that that's truly what that means from Greek mythology, but I didn't think about, I call them propellers, people who take you from this point in your life and career and do something, put you in a position that like leapfrogs you, that propels you way beyond. It's not like to step two. It's to like from step one to step 10. I love that. And I've not heard that before, but yeah, I like that propellers. term. Yeah. And, uh, and I went to lunch with him after I'd been at NASA for about three years. And then now at this time, I'm a civil servant. And uh, he said, I said, Ralph, I am working 100-hour pay periods. You know, I... It's just constant, and it's been that way for three years. It's not, and he's eating, and he doesn't stop eating. He's just chewing and listening. Taking it in. Yeah, and I said, you know, if it doesn't slow down some, I I can't, I can do that in sprints, but I don't want to do that all the time. And he goes, hon, that's you. That's the way you work. Uh, That's why I hired you, and that's you. You do that to you. Nobody does that to you. And he goes, if you find something that you can do different, uh, let me know. Uh, wish you luck. And he just kept eating, you know, and it was sort of one of those. And I really I, I know he's right. Mm-hmm. You do it to yourself by just, you know, charging and charging and charging and charging. And it wasn't that somebody was lording over me and making me work in that way. Um, and I have not conquered that. By the way, I was going to ask, <laughs> what did you do with that? <laughs> no, I just went to a different job and, uh, you know, and had the good fortune of um, being trusted to do the one I do now. And I love it. And I love my team. And um, and I love the work that we do and the mission. And and I it's just it's I have yet to figure out work life balance. So if anybody joined this for that. I'm not your girl. <laughs> you know, I've got some some coaching services available. We can sit down and talk through being yes. intentional with yes. your time. I, and all that. That. Yes. I yeah. got you. Oh, I love it. Okay, so, I, but I totally agree. And I think oftentimes when we are in the thick of it, and so much of it is because we have chosen that path. Yes. And a big thing for me, and I know most women can relate to this is that I want to do it all. Oh, yeah. I want I want to do it myself and I want to show that I'm competent and mm-hmm. I'm able to do it myself and I don't need anybody's help. Mm-hmm. And motherhood changed that for me dramatically. Yes. Like that was a big learning thing. And it's still, I mean, I'm still learning. Like you said, mm-hmm. I haven't got it all figured out, but still learning like how can I ask for help and be good with it? Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the things too is I think that we that often leads us into emotional places where we're we're burnout, we're overwhelmed, we're stressed out, and I try to pass that along to my kids and I'm teaching them this at this stage. And mm-hmm. the thing that we say regularly is ask for what you need. Yes. Because if you ask for what you need in the moment, it helps to keep you from getting to that state mm-hmm. of overwhelm. Yeah. And yeah. I think one of the challenges um, and we we had a face to face with the people who do the work I do across NASA just last week, and um, one of the things is it's I don't think it's a lack of willingness to ask for help because I have a 
a rock star, high-producing, fast-moving, creative, phenomenal team across the agency. It's just a lot of really, really good people. It is, uh, I'm like the kid at soccer that never learned my position. You know, wherever the ball is, that's my position. And if the ball is loose, I'm going to go get You're it. You're on it. I'm on it. Yeah. And that's a, that is more of a, I think, just a personality oh, yeah. trait. You yeah. know, it's not something you try to do. It's just, you know, if it's served up, you're like, well, that must be for me. And I'm going to go do it. <laughs> you know? Oh, my goodness. That's great. Um, okay, Marcia. So you you mentioned it a second ago. Well, let me ask you this real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a, a quick touch on this. You stepped into this role. Was, was imposter syndrome, that's a big word that's thrown around a lot these days. And I think we all struggle with it in some way. Am I really capable of this? Am I, you know, I don't think they know that I don't really know what I'm doing. Was that ever something that you experienced Uh, as you moved through these jobs? Yes. Uh, Most of them, you know, and it's something I used to say to the boys when they would say, I don't know how to play basketball. Well, of course you don't. You've never played, you know, or I don't know if I can drive. And I look at the other people who are driving for crying out loud. If they can do it, you can do it, you know. But, But really going into the NASA job, because you have this um, this vi- um, image of people you think work at NASA. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of that's true. They, we don't all put our pants on the same way. They are, there are many brilliant, brilliant people and different kinds of intelligence than you, than I have, you know. Um, but especially at NASA, uh, you know, they refer to themselves as storytellers and uh, the communicators, people in communications communicators as a as like this title you know and um creatives and all these things and i was like "Mm, i got a master's degree in public administration um you know i'm creative i was a music major back in the day and you know but when i applied for the job or was looking at the job that where i became a civil servant um i was like you know it's external relations uh, that's the way I came in and community and government relations. And I thought that sounds like, you know, I could do it. And, but I didn't know, you really felt like that probably maybe these people have been doing this forever. And here you come, you know, mm-hmm. people had been in roles for 30 years. And, um, and so I started putting together, you know, what I thought was resume and called another one of uh, this guy is more of a a mentor than a propeller, but you know, I called him and I was like, eh, I'm thinking about throwing my hat in the ring for this job. And I told him what it was about. And I said, but you know, there are people there. It's a team lead job. Um, there are people who've been there for 30 years doing this job. Do you think that's arrogant or, and he was like, well, I definitely don't think it's arrogant. And I said, do you think, you know, I'm not sure I can do this. And he said, well, they're going to pick somebody it might as well be you. And that stuck in my head, you know. And then when I was putting together my resume, um, I started looking at the words instead of all the titles, you know. And I thought, well, good grief. I've been doing this for 20 years. You know, this is exactly the work I've been doing. And um, and so, you know, at some point, um, and in that interview, they asked me, what's your last question? It's very formal, you know. They mm-hmm. didn't interact with you. They asked questions. You respond. 
and they just move on. I, I did not enjoy the interview process. No, I can imagine not. <laughs> but, you know, because I'm all about, you know, back and forth, back and forth. And um, and so at the end of it, you know, I, I thought, well, I didn't I couldn't tell whether I had had you know, whether they were whether we had established a rapport or not. It was so dry and I just I couldn't get anything off of them. And so at the end, I thought, you know what? You got a good job. This isn't that important. And so they said, you know, what? Do you have any last anything you'd like to ask us? And I and I told them all of that. You know, I didn't know if I was ready for this. And I said, but when I got through putting my resume together and realized I'd been doing this work for twenty years, I said, I was wondering why y'all hadn't already found me. And it was a joke, <laughs> which they for the first, you know, that was the first exchange, you know, because they knew it was very tongue in cheek. Um, but it was, I, I didn't wonder why they hadn't come found me, but I thought, good grief. I, you know, am I, we didn't call it that, but that's what I did. We right. didn't call it that, but that's what I've been doing. And, um, but the imposter syndrome there was huge. And then when you get into NASA and certainly with the, really, I work with a bunch of professional communicators who have degrees in communications. Um, and you really do you know, wonder if you stack up, but, uh, you know, you just go about the work at hand. And I do still, you know, kind of what I used to tell the boys, if they can do it, you know, unless it's like, uh, you know, hurdling. And I think I told this story at Women in Technology, you know, I clearly, I'm five foot five now, used to be taller. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, and I'm quick. Um, We did all my, we did all sports in high school and, you know, and I'm quick, but, you know, I'm not I'm not built to hurdle. I'm not built to long jump. I'm not built to so, so if it's if it's something that takes a unique physical uh you know, way you need to be, you know, built or certain things, unless it's something like that, why can't you do it? Right. You know, what if can you read? Can you read the instructions? Can you can you figure out what the rules of the game are and play and uh re- figure out what the field looks like and that's that's really the trick, you know, is if there is one, I always look for the trick, but figure out the playing field, figure out the rules, and then, then go at it, you know, and just rely on your ability to read and discern rather than, oh, you know, am I a professional communicator? Am I a storyteller, you know? And now I kind of listen to when those words are thrown about, and I'm almost like, you know, I just... It's they're nice, and I think a lot about that. And I and there are some that are genuinely those kind of people, mm-hmm. but you don't have to be all those things to do the work at hand for the mission right. in which you're involved. Right. You know? And you rely on the ability, the ability and skills of others, who are wildly creative, and you know, and then use your brief moments of brilliance when they happen. You know, you wake up in the middle like, don't let that one go. Yes. Write it down so you can tell <laughs> them tomorrow. That. That's right. <laughs> I need them to see this one. Yes. yes. Yeah. That's great. Um, well, I wanted to ask you a, a big question here. We've talked about your, your journey mm-hmm. through all the things, um, and you have had such an incredible one. And, and I love that, that you did the Saturn five and you've said you, you tied up your bow or you're mm-hmm. tying up your bow with Artemis and, um, and that, but along that journey, what, what does success mean to you now? What mm. is that word? And, and what is success for Marsha? But also I'm going to ask a double question here. Okay. How has that changed 
as you have shifted through the different seasons of your life or has it? Yes. And, and in fact, um, I told you when I walked in, I was dreading this question because, and I thought about it. Uh, I live, I live across the County from Shannon and, but I, so on the drive over here, I had plenty of time to think. And I was thinking about, you know, I knew that was going to be a question. Um, and I think the only way I can talk about it is to talk about how it has changed. You know, I'm extremely competitive um, and not so much in I want to win. But uh, my mom used to say if, that I could that I could turn cleaning into a game. And if I did turn it into a game, that was awesome because I would keep doing it, you know. Um, so it's everything. So for the longest time. Uh, and I, I, I'm even questioning this, but I wanted to be the best, but um, not in the way that's beat everybody else. You know, it was it was really you wanted to make sure you were I was using everything I had uh, been given either, by, you know, God given talents and abilities, as well as what you had learned. You know, I, the one thing my career gave me was you know, such a variety, uh, you know, um, that it really allowed you to see um, what things, you know, that you enjoyed, what worked, what didn't work. But I always wanted to be seen as very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, not just competent, but but I- I- excellent. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as it's gone along, uh, you know, it's become more important for me to be, um, I, I guess even more than that, to have been, you know, somebody that people see as a person of integrity, um, that you know if you call that that I'm going to do my dead level best to get whatever it is done, I said I would get done, that people, and success now for me, and I, I, I our team won an award earlier this year as communicator of the year for the national space club wow. yes Congratulations. and it was that's amazing crazy humbling and i that was another imposter syndrome i was like oh my gosh this is you know this is not my work this is our work and yeah. it's a huge team um i feel like we should have confetti <laughs> <laughs> well i was so humbled but um you know one of the things i said in there was uh and i think this is success when somebody sees you doing the job, whatever it is that you're doing right now, mm-hmm. and it's happened to me two or three times over my career, and they say, I want that. I want the way she works to be, I want that. I want her on my team because of the way she works. And um, that was that way with the space camp job. And in this job, I had worked for NASA and external relations and uh, the associate program manager, who I'd known for a long time, started having lunch with, you know, she started asking me to lunch. And I thought we were just talking about our aging parents and, you know, and she offered me a job. And it wasn't that I didn't go looking for those jobs. Mm-hmm. They see what you do and how you do it. And they come looking for you. Yeah. And then they trust you with, they trust you to do the work. Right. And for me right now, that's been the most satisfying, and I guess I would consider it um, success, is that, that the kind of work you do, how you do your work, 
is seen as a a um, valuable thing, and they want you to do that for them, whatever it is that they are doing. Yeah, and I think that's successful. That for me. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for sharing. Um, and I'm sorry it was such a challenging question, <laughs> but I appreciate all the effort you put in. You did great. Thank I you. I love it. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to wrap up really quickly okay. with some fun rapid fire questions. And uh, Marsha does not know these, so no, I don't. Th- we'll see how this goes. So it's the, a game. See, it's, I've already done oh, it. You're going to win. You're going to win this. <laughs> question number one What's your coffee order? Mmm strong get up out of the cup and slap you in the face <laughs> my brother asked me why don't i just eat the grounds oh my goodness so <laughs> i know it no, doesn't no fit sugar it's not ever. grande nope nope has to have a little bit of doctoring you know a little bit of cream a little bit of sugar and then but super super strong i do not want to see the bottom of my cup that's great <laughs> so when i um the place that i worked for a while before my boys boys were born my coworker and i we would get there early we were there about 6 30 and everybody else didn't come in until eight and so our morning routine whoever was there first we would always go and make a pot of coffee and it would be our coffee versus everybody else's and we would do two packs of the coffee versus the one that everybody else used and anytime, you're my people yes anytime that we were going to have coffee we would check and say okay this is our pot just know it's not the normal stuff because it was terrible anyway okay i love that uh question number two how clean does your house stay on a scale of one to ten on average oh I would say, I would say probably six. Okay. I don't have any kids at home, so yeah. two dogs. Gotcha. So that does it. And what would what would it have been when you did have kids at home? Because they could help vacuum and dust. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they were helping them. Yeah, it was, I would say, um, until they got to be teenagers, uh, and then everything, like, switches, um, I would say probably six or seven. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Clean. That's good. Um, okay, number three, a book or show you've recently loved? Mm. Um, golly. I got you. You got to win. Come on. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to think of what that would be. Well, I, uh, no, I'm not going to. I would say that, and you know this too, because you heard me speak. I haven't read a book in five years. I do remember that. Yes, yeah. because I have been reading, learning, reading, learning. Um, but I did read uh, um, or listen to Hail Mary, mm-hmm. um, which which is by the same guy that did The Martian. Okay, and it's um, it's it's about uh, an alien life form and a human, and the Earth is destined for uh, you know it's dying because of some you know, and they have to do something heroic, and but all along the way they learn to communicate, uh, even though. Um, the alien being doesn't doesn't see and it uses sound waves and it's just very interesting yeah. how um how the whole thing plays out so i enjoyed that yeah i love it that's great i love that it's along the lines of like <laughs> science sci-fi okay uh last question and this is the one that i aim at moms because you never know what moms are going to have in their purses now you know, I know you don't have little ones with you anymore, mm-hmm. but I imagine there might be something interesting. So what's what's the most random item you have in your purse right now? Probably, uh, I hate to be so one-dimensional. Um, I probably have some kind of NASA 
pen to give away to anybody who shows any interest uh, that has to do with SLS or I'm sure it's in there. And the only other, I was trying to think um, what other random thing might be in there. I just cleaned it out a little bit. Um, my EpiPen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Got to have that with you. Absolutely. So it's probably that. Great. Oh, my goodness. Well, this has been so much fun. I'm so grateful to you for coming. And I know that our listeners got some good tidbits out of all of this and the the stories you told. So thank you again for, for coming. And thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you next time on the next episode of the Successful Mama podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Successful Mama podcast. For more information, head on over to SuccessfulMamaPodcast.com where you can find show notes and all of the links mentioned in today's episode. Tap that share button and remember to tag at Successful Mama Podcast. And make sure to go leave a review. It really does help. A special thanks to Will Carruthers. Until next time, remember Mama, success looks more than one way and it's up to you to define it.